pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, we told you we wouldn't take uh, that much time off in between podcasts, and uh, for once, we're, we're right. We delivered on a promise. <laughs> uh, uh, back-to-back weeks. Yeah, exactly. Less than a week apart. We uh, we recorded our, our episode 48 on Inside Atlanta Football uh, last Thursday, and here we are on a bright, sunny, hot, humid, perfect training camp weather day, and except Illinois is not practicing today. For episode 49 of Inside Atlanta Football, I'm Matt Daniels, the sports editor of the News Gazette. Scott Ritchie is the other voice you hear on this podcast. Beat writer extraordinaire. How many beats do you have here, Scotty? Illinois men's basketball. Illinois football. I'd say those are the... Illinois volleyball. Recruiting. You know, the occasional... Illinois Olympic sports. Yeah, Golf, tennis, mm-hmm. baseball, soccer, mm-hmm. softball. Soccer know. starts this Saturday. They have an exhibition against the alma mater. Yeah, Eastern Illinois. Coming to Coming to Champaign for Park. an exhibition, 7 p.m. Be there. And then they go to Maple City, Michigan for an exhibition against Virginia the following week. That's w- something that January Field's done mm-hmm. like every year. Yeah. It's like the, their team sort of bonding. Event. They're, the, they're the first Illinois team to start the, the new school year off. They are always are every year. Uh, Illinois State comes to Champaign for women's soccer match on Thursday, August 18th, 7 p.m. at Demersion Park. But that's neither here nor there. Because that's football and yeah, not football. Football. Uh, training camp is in full swing. Uh, I'm sure Brett Bielema is already tired of seeing Scott Ritchie's face. Well, I mean, I don't know I go that far. Okay. They've had four practices as we record this on a Wednesday. Today's a, an off day, and I'm putting air quotes up there for people that don't uh, can't yeah, see Air this. quotes on a podcast, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, they're not practicing today, but uh, the coaches are It's sure not like in. they just get, like, <laughs> go run amok. Yeah, go, go to the beach today. No, it's... Uh, Come into the Smith Center. We're going to have some meetings, and then we're going to meet again, and <laughs> meet again. We'll like have lunch. But then we're going to meet again. <laughs> um, it's a you know, something that, that Bielma said. It's a, an install day. So okay. I mean, the super secret trick plays for Wyoming. Sure. I mean, obviously, some of that happened in the in the spring, you know, with Barry Lunny in a brand new offense. And but even though there's that foundation built, it's still a bit of a restart. When fall camp you know, opens, just because now you have everyone on the roster, and so uh, an off day is not an off day; it's just a no contact day. That's probably the better way to put it. Just like Scott Ritchie doesn't have any off days either. Uh, I don't want to. I know you have a running tally in your head of that, so we'll 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 put that off for for later in the back burner. No one cares how many hours sports writers work, Scott. So I think they should. <laughs> I think. They should know like, just how committed I am to delivering content. There you go. Day. Scott's been at every 
uh, every media availability because uh, you get a whole whopping 15 minutes to watch practice. Some days, some days you don't even get that. Yeah, uh, and they've had what four practices and two days where they've had 15 minute windows where you can watch them stretch. Yeah, um, by design. Certainly by design. Uh, not letting anything out of the f- you know. When those, when those 15 minutes are up, does someone like let out a, do they blow like an air horn or something? Is there something that comes over the speaker system at Memorial Stadium that says... It's like warning sirens. <laughs> All you media must leave now. No, it's just uh, understood. Or you're going to be strapped to the tackling dummy and we're going to do the Oklahoma <laughs> drill on you at the 50-yard line. Um, I'd be willing to volunteer someone else to do that. <laughs> uh, it's uh, They don't even do the Oklahoma drill anymore, do they? No. Yeah, I think that's, that's gone out of barbaric. fashion. Barbaric. You know, I think football coaches have a better understanding of CTE and traumatic brain injuries. There you go. Fair enough. Probably don't want to do that <laughs> to your own <laughs> teammates. Um, it's uh, I don't know, the fifteen minutes are what they are. We're never getting open training. Never say never. Back. No, never I'm, say never. I'm saying never. No. I, the odds once, aren't that high. Once you lose it, it it's just it's never coming back. It just depends on the coach. Yeah, because football coaches will <laughs> like so. When I, like whatever, I mean, maybe Brett Bielma's here for who knows how long. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever he's not the coach, because there will be a day. Yeah, um, thirty years from now, after they rename Zupke Field Bielma Field and built the statue of him next to Red. Never say never. I suppose. Yeah, there you um, go. You just. Yeah. But the next new that next coach will be like. Well, they haven't had an open training camp for three decades. <laughs> no reason for me to do it. Uh, it's and it's unfortunate because I have like zero context. I mean, the only like I have what the players and the coaches say, but mm-hmm. they're certainly not going to spin that to, mm-hmm. their, to put it in the best positive light. I mean, why would they want to do that? I'd like to see with my own two eyes what this team is going to be, and like I we just won't. Have the opportunity until uh, the August twenty seventh against Wyoming. Well, I mean, for years and, and decades too. I mean, Illinois kind of went against the grain uh, when yeah. it came to, to training camp. So we're we're speaking here from we're <laughs> we're probably commiserating with our colleagues in Lincoln and Columbus and Ann Arbor that have not seen training camp practices. You know what though? I saw a tweet from one of the Nebraska beat writers that just said they just left the practice and saw a lot of quarterback play, and I was like. Wow, <laughs> that'd be nice because that's the—I mean—that's the position of interest right now. Yeah, I mean that's the big storyline. Uh, Tuesday night, uh, after some weather rolled through Champaign-Urbana on on Tuesday morning, uh, bumped practice back a little bit. Uh, but you got the chance—first chance of training camp. Who knows it'll be the ne- when the next opportunity will be. Uh, but the first chance to talk to the two guys that are vying right now to become the starting quarterback at Illinois in the 2022 season, and that is Syracuse transfer Tommy DeBito, and second year now with the uh, Illini after what three seasons at Rutgers? Um, two, two, three, two that two that counted plus okay. a COVID year. Yeah, okay, three seasons secondly at, at Rutgers, oh. and Tommy DeVito have spent four seasons at, at Syracuse. Um. Turns 24, I think, next week. Arts, Art Sikowski's a little younger. He's only uh, 22, I believe. So there you go. And he's got two seasons of eligibility. DeVito, this is his, as we know right now, is his final season of, of college football. But as we've seen in college sports, things change. Yeah. You can just, like, find another year of eligibility, like, under the mattress. 
Uh, you wrote a story. <laughs> exactly. You wrote a story, Scott, in, in today's music. Is that just about how um, kind of their relationship? Uh, it's not like they. It's not like DeVito showed up in, in Champagne in the winter and had to introduce himself to, to Art Sikowski. They're two New Jersey guys. New Jersey is a big state. It's not just a. It's not like Delaware. It's not a small state. Um, but they've known each other for for quite some time. Yeah, since they were like fourteen, um, they shared. Uh, a quarterback coach uh, in New Jersey, and so they had a relationship, and that's and it's a it was a solid one, and like so they reconnected when you know Tommy DeVito came on you know, his visit, you know, during the off season, and it's a solid relationship, you know, friendship. So I mean, that's made the quarterback competition you know not antagonistic. I mean, it's not dividing the team. I mean. I mean, I guess it could be. We don't get to see more than 15 minutes. <laughs> there could be a pro-art camp and a pro-Tommy <laughs> camp and maybe a smaller pro-Ryan Johnson camp. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, the Kirkland Michaud camp. That's you. You're the president of the, the Kirkland Michaud fan I club. I am driving that bandwagon. You've moved up the depth chart, though, uh, since we last talked. Smart Collier entered the transfer portal on, on Saturday. So, what, Illinois now got five quarterbacks on the roster? Six. Six. There's three scholarship quarterbacks, DeVito Sikowski, freshman Donovan Leary, mm-hmm. and then three walk-ons in um, Ryan Johnson, Kirkland Michaud, and then hmm, a freshman walk-on from somewhere in the state, and I'm about <laughs> to look up his name and vamp here a little bit because I just honestly don't remember. That's him. all right. Tell he, me he's sixth on the depth chart. I <laughs> feel pretty it's, confident. It's not going to happen all right. this year. Um Oh, uh, there's also Jake Huber. I have not seen him in practice. They may want to update that. Jamison okay. Sheehan from okay. Cary, Illinois. Oh, Cary Grove. If they need some work against the triple option, there you go. Powerhouse program. Probably won't be running a lot of... They they beat East St. Louis last year for a state title up in DeKalb. The star-studded Flyers. Yeah. So. Well, you know, Army, Navy, Army, Air Army, Force, Air Force. not on feature schedules. At all. Georgia Tech. They still run the triple option. Uh, no, because Paul, I don't know. Paul Johnson got fired. And yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I you haven't not. tuned into a lot of Georgia Tech football games in your spare time, Scott? No. Okay. Um, anyway. What were we? DeVito Sikowski. There we go. Let's get back on, let's get back on track. We were, we were just down the quarterback rabbit Yeah, hole sometimes we just go on these tangents. Hopefully but devoted listeners know that we just There's kinda... less than a month now mm-hmm. to figure out who's number one. And... Tommy DeVito, because he was healthy in the spring, you know, has what one you know, could assume to be a leg up. Uh, Marsikowski, though, is he's back. He's healthy. He's feeling you know as good as he ever has. And I mean, I have seen the quarterbacks throw to each other and to like uh, some grad assistants and managers. Uh, so nothing like real, but like Art's got some zip on the ball. He didn't, which he really didn't have last mm-hmm. year. His right, his throwing shoulder. Would, Needed some cleaning up, um, and he's testing out the zip on his fastball because he's not—he's not interested in floating one in there. He's trying to bruise your hands at this point. Um, but well, the team could know, you know by the the Sunday before the Wyoming game who the starter is. Will know. I mean, that's the sort of the hard deadline. Uh, the rest of us, you know, might find out that week. Mm-hmm. Or we might not find out until they you know, line up against the, the Cowboys. Well, you can always get a handle on it, maybe pregame warm-ups 
against Wyoming. What is yeah, whoever's taking snaps. 3 p.m. 3 p.m. kickoff on Saturday, August 27. Alex Pilstrom. There's your. Also, how hot is that going to be on opening the season opener at 3 p.m. kickoff here in Champaign? In August? Yeah, late. I don't know. A million degrees on the field, <laughs> roughly. Uh, I'm going to put in the request now to have the press box air conditioning set at uh, 66. Let's <laughs> turn it into a meat locker. Um, yeah, I think it was the first of two 3 p.m. home kickoffs in the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, and like I'm sure fans like like those better. Oh, yeah. Opportunity to tailgate, more, don't have to get time. up early. And yeah. You can yeah. make the drive wherever you're coming from. I like to start the day with football. Homecoming October 15th, there's there's Scott Ritchie's game uh, of the year, Minnesota, 11 a.m. kick. That's already been set. Yeah, my, I, right now it's I think the only 11 a.m. kick on this. Yeah, schedule. well, you got a... Night Three game at Indiana. Night game, 7 p.m., September 2nd, Friday night at uh, Indiana. Coincides with the week two of high school football season in Illinois, so that'll be a fun night here at the office. Right fast, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> no overtime, please. Um, no nine overtime. <laughs> um, I'm just going to pretend you didn't say that. I know. Uh, the Chattanooga, what, that's 7 p.m. kick on, on a Thursday night? Thursday? September 22nd. And I mean, then we're, getting, we know, we're getting into action territory here. And then the only other kick time that we know so far, I believe, is the Minnesota for homecoming here, uh, 11 a.m. Yeah. I would like more 11 a.m. kicks. I say we go back in the day where it was 1 p.m. There you go. Right there. Do Split it. Split the difference. Right at, yeah, exactly. Do it right after lunch. It's plenty of time to tailgate. Yeah. Plenty of time to still. I know TV windows dictate yeah, it so all. Here's the thing. We're not I deciding know. this. The, the television overlords are you know, setting the schedule so that there's college football literally on the entire day. Mm-hmm. And eventually, two years, we're going to have some Big Ten after dark. Yeah, and you're going to have some Pac-12 breakfast kickoffs out in L.A. for the 9 a.m. crowd out in L.A. that's really hyped to watch USC Rutgers. Get, there get might ready. be three or four people that are really interested in that matchup. <laughs> Maybe some parents of some you know, Rutgers players from California. I don't know if they have any. I'm going to be honest. Maybe by that time they will. I'm just ha- I'm just really glad that Rutgers isn't on Illinois football schedule this year. They have been for the better part of a decade, which is kind of ironic in the sense that you've got <laughs> three three Jersey, Jersey guys on three quarterbacks. Hey, let's let's go back to New Jersey. Ed Brett Bielma and the staff have hit New Jersey relatively. Re- yeah, because in, in recruiting, and, um, Owen Anderson, Owen Anderson tight end, uh, Matt Freeze, offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah, but you got your three scholarship quarterbacks all from New Jersey, and I haven't looked that far ahead in Big Ten football schedules for Illinois. I don't think they're on the schedule again for maybe a couple of years. Yeah, well, cause, I mean, there's supposed to be some kind of rotation. And then, like, the COVID year threw everything off kilter. Well, and the fact, too, that it was gearing up last year, Illinois Rutgers is in Champaign. Art Sikowski was going to face his old team. Uh, Memorial State played at Memorial State at Rutgers. Through a couple interceptions that helped in 2019 that led Illinois to... That was not exclusive to his trip to No, exactly. Um, And then he had to break his arm at State College, which in hindsight, I know this sounds messed up, but in hindsight, if say he doesn't break his arm at Penn State, Brett Bielema said to you guys last night that if he hadn't gotten hurt, he probably might have started the rest of the season. Who knows yeah. if Brandon Peters would have gotten the starting job back at all. So does the So does the right shoulder surgery happen then? I think it it happens in the off season maybe but not as not as soon as it did then. So would he be ready for camp? Who knows? This so did. many what ifs. Yeah, there you go. The butterfly about this quarterback effect. competition. Mostly like again like who 
It's going to be the quarterback. All right, gut, That's not a what. Your but. gut instinct, Scott, and I know you wrote a column in Saturday's uh, News Gazette vouching for Tommy DeVito because your boss made you do that. I was going to say, <laughs> I was assigned. <laughs> you're, you're pro Tommy DeVito now. Uh, and then uh, Bob Osmussen, our distinguished columnist, wrote uh, the Art Sikowski, the case for Art Sikowski to be the starting quarterback. But uh, what's your gut instinct say on August 3rd? Who Who's the... Who's under center to start uh, against Wyoming? Hopefully, either finish the game on the field or relaxing on the bench at the end of a route, an Illinois route. Well, I don't know that they'll, he'll be under center necessarily. Fair enough. Um, in the shotgun formation, okay. Uh, Tommy DeVito, okay. It's like you know, Brett Bielen talked about it yesterday. Is like he they ha- felt like they had to bring in a mm-hmm. veteran transfer just because they couldn't. You know, cross their fingers and hope that Artskowski was going to recover just as well as he did from two, you know, consecutive surgeries. One to fix his broken left arm and the other on his shoulder. And the shoulder, you know, turning out to be maybe a little more serious of, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, sort of undisclosed injury, but like just not all was well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they brought Tommy DeVito in for a reason. I think. He can do a little more, and like his quarterback at Illinois is not going to run the ball that mm-hmm. very much. But if he has to scramble, I think he can maybe escape trouble a little better than Art. Um, honestly, it's hard to forget about his Art's eighteen interception season. True, it's, and like he's moved past it, and he's mm-hmm. gotten better. And he was in probably the worst situation for a freshman quarterback in the Big Ten, maybe ever, maybe of all time. Mm-hmm. Chris Ash, you know, committed coaching malpractice. I think by just leaving, I mean, just kind of hung See, him out. That, to that, that's the that's the uh, the argument against playing a true freshman at quarterback is you hear that all the time. Is okay, let's get these. You get these highly touted recruits. And Art Sikowski was was a very highly touted recruit. You get him in there, and all right, he's going to be the future of the program. Let's just trot him out there as a true freshman. You know, let him learn, see how it goes. What well, went horribly for him, and who knows how much that might have set his development back at all. And and the thing of it too is, I know we can sit here, and, and the thing that impressed me about Tukowski last year was just his kind of his leadership ability, his ability to oh, for stand sure. up and handle the tough questions after a game, which you have to do if you're a quarterback, which has not always been the case in recent past at, at Illinois. But then again, he did struggle at times last season. The Wisconsin game. Uh, for homecoming, came in to replace Banner Peters, was very inefficient throwing the ball. Did not move the ball well at all through the air at Penn State. Illinois won that game based on, on the run game and their, the their, defense, and their defensive effort. Was forced, essentially, to play catch-up against Texas San Antonio last season, so his numbers kind of got skewed a little bit there as they went pass-heavy and late in that game. Um, Virginia struggled uh, out in Charlottesville. Yeah. Um, and I don't I mean I don't know how much of that was the shoulder. Mm-hmm, yeah, because uh, I, I don't think he, he couldn't make all of the throws the way he wanted to, and maybe now he can. Maybe that's going to be just this huge difference maker. But there's just a lot of times where he'd make a throw and like you look, you're just watching it live and be like, oh man, that's gonna go poorly, mm-hmm. and it often did. Mm-hmm. Now and like Tommy DeVito again. I mean, he hasn't had some, you know, stellar grade. He would have finished up his Syracuse mm-hmm. probably if yeah. he did. You know, he had a really good 2019, got hurt in 2020, you know, lost the job in 2021. So, I mean, he's got his own path back to 
figuring out maybe who he is as a quarterback. But I just think the fact that he was the healthy one in the spring, he got the majority of the snaps mm-hmm. in the spring. It's a lot of ground for, for Art to make up, and I don't know that he, he's going to have the time. Well, one comment you made a few minutes ago, Scott, that I want to touch on, touch more upon on, which I've, I think is going to be a huge key to this Illinois season, is, you know, I said their lineup under center, well, you said, well, they may be in the shotgun. We saw that at times last season in Tony Peterson's offense, but when you think of a Brett Bielema team, you think of, to me at least, you think of a quarterback under center one or two running backs two tight ends two wide receivers let's run the ball obviously you haven't seen much of Barry Lunny's offense so far and I know what they showed in the spring game back in April was pretty vanilla but what is your kind of when you think of this Illinois offense and what it can be how do you see how do you see them lining up against Wyoming how do you see them kind of one word we kind of keep hearing filter out through camp is up tempo up tempo up tempo so is this going to be like what Rod Smith wanted to incorporate during his time at Illinois? Is this going to be kind of like what Mike Loxley was able to do where it's not obviously his own read because I don't really think you're going to run Tommy DeVito like he did Juice Williams or anything like no. that. No. But is it kind of a mixture of the two? What, what do you kind of – what's your what's your, uh, what's your your gut telling you? I mean, this whole tempo thing and like it's being pu- – it's a narrative that's being pushed a little bit by other – people um it's like but i was there in the spring when you know barry Lonnie and brad bielma were like were pushed back against that a little bit it was mm-hmm. like we're not gonna go no huddle 100 miles an hour yeah that's that goes single. against everything in brett bielma's coaching dna yeah i was like so there's going to be i think elements of both mm-hmm. i think you know they can't can go no huddle at times and i mean this idea that like Oh, how is all, how are all my players going to be able to do that? I was like, well, I mean, Rod Smith was the offensive coordinator not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. They were just going as fast as humanly possible so on offense. Varying degrees of success. Well, yeah, I didn't say that was like good, but it was fast. Um, so I think they'll be fine. Uh, but like Brett Bielma is a let's pound the rock with Chase Brown and Josh McCray kind of guy, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's going to change. Now the passing game has to be better pretty low bar set last year with Tony Peterson, but it just has to be more of a compliment to mm-hmm. the run game because if all you have is Chase Brown and Josh McCray, which is essentially what it was last year, uh, like defenses kind of figure that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty simple to figure out that, okay, they can only run the ball successfully. If they pass it, like we don't care because they're, they, don't, they don't do it well. So the, they got to figure out the quarterback situation and then, I don't know, get Isaiah Williams the ball in as many different ways as possible and as just in as many ways as possible because mm-hmm. he's you know, probably the best athlete and then figure out who else is going to catch it because it's a brand new you got Casey Washington back and in terms of like significant I don't even want to use very significant because he didn't get a ton of catches last year but like it's him and Isaiah Williams and mm-hmm. those are like the only two yeah. sort of regular wide receivers that return yeah no exactly um obviously like we said the the receivers is a big question mark about who emerges there who can kind of separate themselves how that affects what Illinois wants to do offensively because if as we've seen in the past if receivers can't get open teams are going to play man coverage 
and that really stifles what you could want to do in the passing game, and, and which then has a trickle-down effect to the run game. But going back to the run game a little bit, again, lots of talk about Chase Brown, understandably so, rushed for 1,005 yards last season, did that basically in, what, nine and a half games, Roughly. essentially? Yeah. Uh, obviously, that breakout game against Charlotte, a huge game out in State College uh, against Penn State. Josh McCray, though, he's to me an intriguing piece this season because last year no one knew anything about him other than that he was Brett Bielma's first commit. He's out of Alabama and he's big, and he's still big. He's still big, and then he had that uh, the performance he had at Purdue, which kind of single-handedly kept the Illinois offense moving along out in West Lafayette. Just how do you how do you see the carries being distributed by them? Do you see Chase getting, obviously he's probably going to get more, but I know the days of kind of a featured running back are, are over in college football, but how do you just kind of see those two uh, those two working it out in, in the backfield this year and, and how Barry Lenny Jr. can use both of them to their, their full potential and all? I mean, I think if you look at the, how they might split the carries, like a 65-35 Chase Brown getting the majority there. Maybe 60-40. I don't know. I mean, it depends on if you know, like if Josh McCray continues to be like impossible to bring down. Like You have to get him some touches because mm-hmm. like, if he's gaining yards, like don't just watch him stand on the sideline. Yeah. Um, I think I could use those guys in the passing game a little more. There, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. There's nothing wrong with checking it down. No, because I mean... Chase Brown's, you know, shifty enough with mm-hmm. bullets and power that he can make guys miss, and then Josh McCray will just run guys over. Yeah, Chase Brown reminds me of like a Josh Ferguson type where if you would get him involved in the passing game, I think that would open up this offense even more. And I think it would also too to Brown's own benefit, it would open the eyes of some NFL scouts at all that may want to see what he could do out wide, maybe split in the slot at all or just yeah. on screen passes or, like I said, just throw it to the flat and then go make a guy miss or two. And, and Chase Brown's different than Josh Ferguson in the sense, too, where he's he can run over guys as well. He's he's kind of more powerfully compact. He's not as elusive and slippery as, as Ferguson was a decade ago. But he's a guy that, to me, just there's so much buildup around him going into the season. And um, Illinois just hasn't had that sustained – success at running back they've had breakout seasons from guys in the past Reggie Corbin 2018 Chase Brown last year um Mikel Shore uh there have only two other running backs in Illinois history that have had back-to-back mm-hmm. thousand-yard seasons Jim Robert Holcomb uh, Robert Holcomb the three mm-hmm. which was on some less than stellar teams in the mid to late 90s sure. and then Jim Grabowski was the yeah. other one mm-hmm. from you know, half a century ago. Yeah, more than, more yeah, than that. 60, so almost 60 it's, years uh, If Chase Brown's able to repeat, then that he goes down as one of the best running backs in Illinois mm-hmm. history just yeah. because there's so few that have done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. And, and He's got to stay healthy. That's kind of been uh, a bugaboo mm-hmm. with him a little bit in his career. Uh, but there's some depth at running back, untested in, in large part, but there's some interesting guys there. You know, behind Brown and McRae, but again, I think you know the defense, Illinois defense, kind of at least established an identity 
you know, it was a multiple identity, but like they executed what Ryan Walters wanted better as the season progressed. Now the Illinois offense has to catch up, and that's why. I mean, it's why there's a new coordinator. That's why there's a new coordinator. It's uh, it's a big. It's again going to be a big uh, one of the big curiosities uh, about this Illinois football team before the season kicks off in what three and a half weeks or so. Yeah, Scotty, football season's here. Ooh. NFL starts Thursday night, Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. Yeah, I won't be watching that. Two new first-year head coaches, Doug Peterson with the Jaguars after the Urban Meyer experiment failed abysmally. And uh, Josh McDaniels uh, out in Vegas. Nate Hobbs might see some time with the Raiders on Thursday night in the game. Yeah. Juan Smoot still with the Jaguars, former Illini. Not sure how much he might play. Saw the Jaguars are starting their third string quarterback in the Yeah, uh, all sorts of reasons to tune in now. (laughs) (laughs) No Trevor Lawrence tomorrow night for the Jaguars. But football is here, Scott. I suppose. (laughs) No, it is. We've we've been in the hallways and office of the News Gazette all week. We've been having high school football, area high school football teams and players coming in. Caden Fegan and Arthur Lovington Atwood Hammond are going to stop by early next week. Future Illinois running back. Uh best recruit right now in the 2022 class which this is my segue now scotty as we kind of wrap up here in these final few minutes recruiting for illinois uh how's it going they lost a they lost a player over the weekend right yeah offensive lineman rico jackson um out of florida just decided to reopen his recruitment um so illinois class right now has they have 14 commits Mm -hmm. ranked 13th in the Big Ten, and probably only 13th because Indiana's only got eight guys. Okay. Um, it's So not only is the September 2nd game between Illinois and Indiana the battle for who wants to start 1-0 in the Big Ten, it's the battle for who needs to get out of the last place, or the bottom two in, in the recruiting rankings in the Big Ten. Yeah, and you mentioned Caden Fegan and four-star mm-hmm. recruit. It's a big get. He's a big guy. Yeah, he's... <laughs> I I just keep thinking back to, I think it was the Iowa basketball game, and like I hadn't seen him in mm-hmm. person in a while. I was like, "Who is this grown man?" <laughs> Said again, like the recru- like where they typically put mm-hmm. recruits. I was like, "Oh, it's Caden. He's huge." Yeah, uh, but uh, it's uh, it's an underwhelming class. I'll just put it out there, and okay. you know, maybe they got, they Brad got Bielman, some work to do. Brad Bielman and his staff, maybe they. Maybe they just hit on every evaluation they made. Or do they just shift and, hey, we're going to go all in like we've seen with college basketball these days, and to a lesser extent football, but just let's mine the portal. I mean, I think now that you can go one out, one in, Mm -hmm. and just there's not a hard cap of the number of players you can add every offseason, I think, yeah. And I would based on this class. Just now, like, who else is recruiting these players? That's It is what it is. Um, and you can sometimes read too much into it, but there's just not a lot of other high major programs that were that interested in the guys that Illinois has committed. And it's year two for Bielma, so people haven't, you know, fans haven't maybe latched onto that as much, but it's the same type of recruiting battles that you know, Tim Beckman won, mm-hmm. that Lovey Smith won, and people were in up in arms that the recruiting was just not good enough. Mm-hmm. But it's year two, so you give Bielma the benefit of the doubt for right. a while longer. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll keep uh, 
following that along, uh, always follow Scotty's coverage uh, at AlignHQ.com and in the pages of the News Gazette. Also, check him out on Twitter. He's posting videos every single day of what's going on, short little videos uh, from, from what Brett Bielema and his players are are saying after after practices. I don't think you could film the 15-minute stretching videos. Or you could, right? But I could, but like who won? I, I'm, I'm not. You can going analyze to. analyze how they're reaching. Who who does better jumping? Do they do jumping jacks? Uh, I honestly never personally. I'm paying attention, like, because the quarterbacks are doing a few like non-stretchy things. Okay. Linemen are you know doing one-on-one drills, so I try to watch like actual football-related activity. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, not trying to see who's getting the best stretch on their quads. All right, and we're going to end the podcast on that note. Uh, like we said, we delivered on a promise. We came back after recording last week. The plan is to do this again next week as well. So uh, for Scott, for Ed Bond, for making us sound good. For all the listeners out there, thanks again uh, for checking out another episode of Inside the Line of Football. We'll be back next week. <laughs>